Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 326 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, it's another doubleheader. It's kind of a two-for-twofer since each of these creators has a pair of products that they want to talk about. First up is Stephanie Phillips, the creator of Yawan and another book called Kicking Ice. They're both great stories with interesting things going on. And Stephanie talks about how each of them came to be and what we can expect from her in the future. Then everything wraps up with Rafer Roberts, who's talking about modern fantasy from Dark Horse and Nightmare the Rat, something I'm sure you're going to want to hear about as he describes a story that he does everything in, from writing to art and other things. Something I think we're all going to have to check out just to follow up and find out what it's about if you don't already know. And it's always fun to talk with him about real life as well as comics, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get to it. It's great to welcome to the podcast Stephanie Phillips, the creator of Kicking Ice and Yawan, two interesting comics. How are you doing today, Stephanie? 
Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to talk with you. I, I always am thrilled to find women who are comics creators because that's a little harder to find. So I'm always <laughs> glad when I get to talk with folks like you. So talk to me a little bit about you and comics. How did this all get started? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I remember, so I, I kind of always had a very set path. I was going to be an academic. And so I went from being um, an English and history major in undergrad straight into my master's program in English. Um, and at some point in the master's program, I just, like, you know, I was an English major, like I think most people who are English majors, because I love reading and I love writing. I love literature. I've been a comic reader since I was a kid. Um, and I think there was just a, like, I had always been actually working at comic conventions since high school, just as doing like volunteer work. And I knew some people who ran, um, conventions. So I'd been around it for a while and, uh, it just kind of hit me in the master's program that I, I just wanted to keep doing something creative. So, um, I started doing some editing for some indie publishers and, uh, eventually like three years into the PhD, uh, somebody one day just said to me, why haven't you tried writing your own comic? And I was like, Oh, I, I don't know. Like, you know, I'd been happy kind of in the editorial position and it kind of allowed me to be creative. But, um, I wrote my first comic, which was tragically awful, um, like learning the beats and transitions. And, um, I'm happy to say that I think it's progressed a bit from there, but, you know, always still learning and looking for new outlets for, for the comic writing. Do you remember what the first one was called? <laughs> yes. Um, it was called the, I like the concept itself. It was called slightly dead and it was about, um, a woman imbued with, uh, kind of like a ghost like ability through a scientific accident. And she became a detective for, uh, the dead. Mm -hmm. So essentially ran like a PI service because she could interact between the living and the dead. Um, so if a ghost had like a, an unsolved murder or something like that, um, she could kind of help be their PI in the world, the living world. Hmm. Um, so I liked the concept a lot, but I, I have to admit the execution was poor. So um, maybe something I would return to one day. <laughs> well, if you listen to my very first podcast, which was like six years ago, it was not something I proud of. I, it was just me talking for about 20, 25 minutes. I just wanted to get it out there and get it done. And so I did it. And that was the only time I ever just talked myself because I decided at that point I needed to talk to somebody who's more interesting than I am. And so that's how I started interviewing and stuff like that. So it was kind of funny. But that now the thing I'm, I'm really interested in too is that you did a graphic novel called Kicking Ice. And you did a successful Kickstarter, it looks like. You got $35,544 from 779 backers. And let me just read the, the description real quickly. It says, Kicking Ice is a graphic novel about the importance of inclusiveness, equality, and empowerment in sports. And it shows two girls dressed up in, in hockey outfits because they don't associate hockey with women very often. Talk to me about this graphic novel and how this all came to be. Well, it kind of started as a webcomic that I was just doing on my own with different guest artists here and there. Um, and I was speaking with Ominous Press, and they became really interested, especially since it was the beginning of 2017, and people were already gearing up for the Winter Olympics for 2018. 
um, which, you know, was a really big year for, for U.S. women's team taking home gold, which we couldn't have anticipated or really had better timing. And, you know, there was no way for us to predict that would happen. And it was kind of um, a bit like a storybook ending for, for both our comic and uh, the women's team, which is great. Um, so I, I've been an avid kind of follower of the National Women's Hockey League since they started three years ago. And uh, so I wanted the book to kind of encompass elements of what the NWHL is trying to do for the sport, for, for women's sports, for women's hockey, by showcasing the players, um, a little bit of the inception of the league. So there's a little bit of history there, but it's wrapped into a story that's kind of easy to digest for both kids. Um, it has a lot of content there for current fans. So current fans get to see players that they love on the ice and in speaking and mentoring roles. Um, but they also get, if you know nothing about the NWHL and nothing about hockey, you still get kind of an introduction to all of these things, um, which I hope helps kind of support the league, which is, you know, definitely still growing. They only have four teams. They have, um, you know, some financial support and things like that from sponsors like Dunkin' Donuts, but they're definitely trying to grow. They're trying to expand. And more than anything, I think they deserve recognition for a lot of the hard work they do um, on and off the ice. I mean, they're incredible athletes. And if you ever go to an NWHL game, they spend just as much time off of the ice talking with little girls and fans and really anyone that wants their time. And they, they give it so readily and freely because they know that they're in this really cool role as some of the first pioneers in professional women's hockey. Um, and I hope the book really showcases and celebrates the efforts of the league and the players and even people that came before the league kind of helping pave the way for something like professional women's hockey. Mm-hmm. And what's the story about? The story is about two young girls uh, named Bella and Skye um, who kind of just fall in love with hockey thanks to their role models in the NWHL. So Sky is um, already really athletic and plays hockey. And when Bella moves to Connecticut, um, she had been a figure skater. So she has a skating background. And when her and Sky uh, kind of start forming this friendship, the friendship forms around their love for hockey. So Sky introduces her to the NWHL. They get to go to NWHL games together. And we actually see, I was actually just working with the artist today on this really cool page where it's kind of um, juxtaposed images of the, the Connecticut team celebrating a goal on the ice and their hug is kind of juxtaposed with Bella and Sky celebrating, which is kind of the first time they interact as best friends, like outside of their classroom and things like that. So um, I try to show that this is really role models for young girls like Bella and Sky. So Bella and Sky are learning to play the game and they play in a co-ed league where they're some of the only girls, which brings an interesting set of challenges for um, you know, I think a lot of readers for this book can identify with playing in men's leagues or even in co-ed leagues, um, which is something I did growing up. So there's a lot of personal experience there uh, being a, a girl playing with all boys. And, you know, some of the it's not even always harsh bullying, but even just the antagonistic comments and sometimes just somebody playing a little too rough with you because it would be terrible for you know a 10 year old boy to get shown up by a girl on the ice so um there's a little bit of that uh that we kind of try to show and hopefully some character development too as the boys they play with learn and you know trying to show that you know kids are really adaptable and wherever something like that bad habit is learned um i think it can be unlearned too by just the exposure so being able to have awesome teammates like my characters bella and sky um, I think changes a lot of minds and, you know, their teammates, which are all boys, are really supportive of them. And I want to show that as well, that it's not like two girls playing hockey and, you know, 30 boys that are really mean to them. There's only really one or two that are 
kind of antagonistic, but I want to show that the hockey community is also really supportive. And so if girls want to try hockey, there is this really awesome community. And um, we're kind of seeing that now. I don't know if you've been following any of the the news out of Humboldt about the boys hockey team, the men's hockey team, uh, where 15 were killed in a bus accident. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, just look at some of these hashtags on Twitter from the hockey community, everybody leaving their sticks out on the porch at night. Mm -hmm. It's just a testament to how amazing this community is. And whether it's the Humboldt team, whether it's the National Women's Hockey League, this is an extremely communal sport. And I think I really want this book to try to show some of those elements of, of teamwork and community building um, that Sky and Bella get to be a part of. Because mm-hmm. I was tangentially connected to a hockey team at, uh, a couple years back. There was a, a league that used to play at night in Maryland where I was living. And they would want people to come around the scoreboard. And many times people didn't enjoy running the scoreboard because they wanted to be out on the ice and stuff. But I liked the scoreboard. So I would often go there. It would be like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And I would go and I'd run the scoreboard for them. And they'd often say, just come to the games because nobody comes and, and uh, wants to run the scoreboard. So I would do that and do that. And do that. And I got to the place where you know the team I was... I don't know if it had anything to do with it, but the the team that I was, the one behind, they won the championship of that little league. And it was just funny how they all just jumped on top of each other when it was done. And I was in the in the score booth, and I, I held the buzzer down, bzzz, you know, kind of stuff. And it was so funny, but they, they they gave me some money afterwards. And I said, this is just volunteer. And they said, no, no, you've been here faithfully. Every time we know we can, everybody can go on the ice because they'd have to take somebody off the ice and put them in the, in the booth. So I got a huge kick out of that. That was great fun. Of course, I don't live in Maryland anymore, but uh, that was great fun for me. And that was my highlight of my career was to go to the the, the big hockey center and run the scoreboard for a game for them. They actually played one time, and I got to do that. And I was, you know, I I enjoyed that kind of stuff. I I guess I'm just kind of a supportive kind of a person. I like to do those things. Uh, Those roles are just as important. Mm-hmm. And if nobody ran the scoreboard, how would we know who was winning? So. That's right. That's right. Well, there was one time I did it, they had a championship, and they wanted me to come and do it. And this, at the end, everything went chaos. These guys just started <laughs> fighting and stuff like that. And, and the, the referee came skating over. He said, just give me that sheet. I'll finish this. And he <laughs> took it off, and, and the, he, he said, the game's over. He said, it was about five minutes left to play. He said, that's it. We're done. Because all they're going to do is fight from here on out. So he went back to us. That was a lot of fun to do, but I enjoyed the sense of, of doing that and, and and being involved. You're right, the sense of community. People, you know, love the fact that, that they get together and they have this interest that they share and want to make things happen. Now, there weren't any girls in it, unfortunately, at that time, but they were a lot of fun. To, it, was, it was a lot of fun experience for me to that. So do you play now? I mean, how does it work as far as uh, you and hockey? Yeah, I, I mean, I played all through college and even actually until about a year ago, I played pretty consistently. And now I just play pickup, but um, I am, you know, now that I have, I mean, my schedule has changed a little bit and I think I have a little bit more time to be on a regular league. So I'm hoping that in the summer I can I can play regularly again. Um, of course, I'll be a bit rusty, but um, I'm definitely enjoying playoff hockey, which started tonight and uh my lightning play tomorrow. So, oh, wow. Because you went down here in Florida, it's the oddest thing to see people carrying hockey equipment while it's yeah. 85 degrees outside. They're going into an ice rink and stuff like that. People always kind of think that's that's the weirdest thing. But I understand it because I got to do that. It was late at night, it was the only time they could ever get the rink because people went ice skate. 
in the evenings and stuff. So anyway, well, uh, where's the graphic novel at right now? It looks like this was accomplished. You said this was last year was when you got the, the Kickstarter done. Is the book out or is it in process? Where is it at? So we just finished up the Kickstarter about three weeks ago. Um, It was something that I had kind of been developing with Ominous starting back in 2017, mostly just like the pre-planning, and we wanted to have some of the book ready to go when we launched the Kickstarter. Um, So we are, I would say the book in terms of artwork is a little more than halfway halfway done. So the full book will be released in August, but we have pre-orders going on right now at kickingice.com. So if you missed the Kickstarter, we still have... Um, pretty much all of the stuff from the Kickstarter, which can just be ordered separately through the pre-order link. Mm-hmm. And then the physical copies, which we have hardcovers featuring art from Amanda Connor and Dave Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, and soft cover featuring artwork from Jamie Jones and Lee Motor and Marissa Louise, which um, all of the covers have been awesome. So we're still kind of um, working on putting together a cover gallery because I just can't not show off all the cover artwork. It's It's been pretty awesome to see that stuff come together. Did, did Ominous help you gather the team together or was that something you did because of your connections to the to comics how did you put the team to make the book come together um it's a little of both uh lee motor was brought in by ominous press and then uh pretty much everyone else uh they trusted me enough to to say you know here's who i want to work with um i brought jamie jones in and i think it was a really incredible decision to have him um, working on parts of the interior artwork as well. He has um, a really cool cartoon style that one thing I tried to be mindful of is a lot of the people that purchase the book through a Kickstarter are hockey fans more so than comic fans. And so for a lot of people, we had messages like, this is the first comic I've ever purchased, which is really, really cool. And so I want the artwork to be kind of clean lines. And I kind of had a very particular vision um, to make the artwork really accessible to readers, but also still enjoyable. So, you know, Lee Motor for... <laughs> anybody that is a a hardcore comic fan you know will know his his work from dc and things like that and um i mean his work is just gorgeous um and then amanda and dave um are friends and agreed to do a cover for me which is uh really awesome i i really liked seeing that come together and i i own the uh actual artwork for the cover that amanda gave me and i just i look at look at it every once in a while i'm kind of just blown away that you know, seeing my own work come together like that is just a really cool experience. Yeah, it must be something because all this time you've been working on this and to see it come to fruition, it's got to be really satisfying. Yeah, and a little shocking. I mean, not <laughs> in a bad way, but just it, it's a, you know, a book about hockey. And I was, you know, like I said, kind of writing a web comic for my own edification. I, I really like hockey. I really like comics. And I was just, you know, amusing myself with, with the web comic and to know that there's, you know, almost 800 people that already ordered it, um, both through pre-order and Kickstarter is um, kind of an incredible feeling. So, I mean, how people get out, you, you pre-order it through the Kickstarter or through the, your website, and how, are you going to mail them to people? Is it, are they going to go through Diamond Comics at some point? How are you going to distribute them? Obviously, you're going to go through conventions, I would very likely say, because I, how I met you was I, you were at the Ominous booth at South Carolina Comic-Con. That's how I met you. And uh, were you selling, I'm trying to remember if you actually were selling like pre-orders there for this book. 
Um, I was selling uh, my horror story, but I didn't really have as much for kicking ice with me at South Carolina. Um, but we are planning to ship the orders uh, directly from the Ominous headquarters in Buffalo. So it's kind of going to be an Ominous team effort getting all of these out, which, you know, seeing the number go up and up on the Kickstarter was amazing. And then I think in my brain, I have to send about 800 packages, which is going to be fun. Um, but it's it's awesome. I was just working with um, Jamie Jones today. We're making kind of custom custom illustrated book plates for all of the issues. And, um, you know, seeing that little stuff come together is also just really rewarding and cool on its own, too, because everything in this book is so customized by the art team, um, by me, by Ominous. Like, I mean, there's nothing that we haven't kind of individualized as much as possible. Um, and, I, and I really like that aspect of it. I think it helps build a community around the book as well and more support for the project. Now, i got to ask, of course, you, your goal was $17,000, and you more than doubled that. Does that mean that we might have a Kicking Ice 2 in our future? <laughs> I would love that. Actually, the uh, National Women, Women's Hockey League asked me the same question, and I would have to say that that's a really cool feeling because you know you, they're involved, they're supporting the project, and the project is in support of them. And it's been one of those things where I really want to do justice for the league. Like, I want them to be really excited about the project. And um, the commissioner, Danny Rylan, has been amazing. And, you know, she has basically said, I'm all in. Whatever you need from us, just let us know. Um, You know, we have the jerseys and everything are all the actual logos of the NWHL teams. Um, But having them actually call me up and say, like, what are your plans for more kicking ice is a really cool. I was like, well, I I think that means they like it. So. Are they going to sell them at, at the games and stuff like that? They certainly should. Mm-hmm. Yes, they um, do plan to make uh, Kicking Ice available at hockey games as well, so that will be a really cool feature. What about like Free Comic Book Day and stuff like that? Are you, any chance of having a, a small version or you know a, like a story out of it available yeah. so people could sample it? We um, So myself and Jamie, one of the interior artists, will actually be at Uncanny Heroes in Tampa, Florida for free comic book day. And we do have special uh, 12-page previews available. So it will have some sequential artwork. Um, it has um, sketchbooks from both Lee Motor and Jamie Jones in it, a cover gallery, um, and then a little bit more information about the characters, kind of like a little bit of a character map where you get some some breakdown of what to expect in the book. Cool. Now, of course, one of the things I think that shows a good writer is when you can go 180 degrees the other direction. And I think 180 degrees from Kicking Ice is Yawan, the book that you were promoting at South Carolina Comic Con. Why don't you talk a little bit about Because there's just a whole lot of very different things going on in this book, including the location, which is something, you know, obviously Kicking Ice is in America, but this one is not in America. Talk about where this book came from and, you know, the, the, why you chose the, the cast and the, the location that you did. Yeah, so um, Yawan is a Filipino word that directly means possession, and I would have to say that more than kicking ice, I'm kind of, I, I mostly consider myself a horror writer, mm. and I think that uh, it, it's weird that that genre kind of fell so naturally to me, and honestly, I think it's just because I'm scared of everything that it's easy for me to be like, oh, that would scare me, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I wrote this story kind of based in part on um, one of my best friends is from the Philippines. And when I had eye surgery about a year ago, um, I couldn't open my eyes for a few days. They were so swollen and I had to wear these like goggle things and I was bored and I like, I couldn't do much. I was listening to podcasts and she would call me after work and just 
tell me stories, talk to me, whatever. And one day she was like, oh, did I ever tell you about the time that uh, my girlfriend was possessed? And I was like, wait, no, (laughs) that sounds like a fantastic story. You have not told me this. Um, So she told me uh, while I couldn't see anything, which somehow made this all scarier um, about a time where she came home and basically thought that her significant other was really possessed. Like she firmly believes this. Um, and I've spoken with some of her other family members cause I became so fascinated by this, um, and her belief in it. And some of her family members are like, Oh yes, this girl was possessed. And other people were like, she was totally faking whatever. Um, so I, I did some research and to kind of some myths and folklore and Filipino culture. And the book starts out kind of with this story that she told me of coming home and, um, you know, finding her significant other in like a very weird state, like, you know, writhing around and throwing up and just like yelling, a lot of stuff like that. Um, And then from there, I kind of added in a lot of my own perception of some of the folklore and um, the culture in the Philippines to create this kind of actually it's a Poe influenced um, horror story with kind of a unique setting. So uh, it's really about can you trust anyone? Are the ghosts real? Um, so the question kind of goes on for, for the entire book as to what we should believe. Is this all fake? Is it all real? And there's kind of evidence to support both. Um, and at some point, the reader does get to make up their own mind, and I won't give away the ending. But um, I will honestly say that I scared myself writing it at some point. <laughs> How about that? That's It's rare when a horror writer scares themselves. Oh, not, see, not for me. I'm scared all the time. <laughs> okay. Now, when I saw you at South Carolina, you had an Ashcan edition. That was what you were doing with Ominous. Talk a little bit about the Ashcan and and what that accomplished for you. Yeah, so that's the first eight pages of the story, sequential pages of the story. And um, they're kind of some of my favorites because there's this kind of theme running throughout the entire book with mirrors. And I liked playing with the mirrors for a lot of reasons. One, I find nothing creepier than looking in the mirror after watching a horror movie and just thinking like, when am I going to see the murder murderer appear behind me? Um, so playing with that kind of allowed for some really cool stuff creatively and for the art team. Um, but it also kind of goes throughout the entire book as a, like, what are we actually seeing when we look in the mirror kind of asking um, these questions about trust and perception and things like that, in, especially when our, um, our two main characters, they think they know each other so well. They're um, about to be married and then, you know, something starts happening that kind of has them questioning everything they know about themselves and themselves as a couple. Um, so I really liked this theme of mirrors. And then I also wanted to do the ash can because um, the variant cover artist Megan Hetrick was at the convention. Um, so we printed the ash can with her cover attached, which is like a gorgeously painted rendition of the two main characters, um, kind of in the throes of passion with a bunch of mirrors around them that show um, demons and things like that coming out. Mm-hmm. I really like the the artwork in there. There's this one page where things are starting to come to, together and they, they actually go to bed at night and there's a, they're talking about going to sleep and the very bottom panel is this eye of one of them just kind of looking like, you know, sleep's not going to come easy to that person, is what it kind of says, which I liked about it. Now, this takes place in the Philippines? Yes, it does. Okay, because that's an interesting choice because, you know, in America, uh, everything happens in New York City. (laughs) You know, it's so odd to me when we, of course, you go to D.C., then they got Gotham City and Metropolis and stuff like that. But if you go to Marvel, everything is basically New York. And if they go outside of New York, it's like, Horrible, terrible place to be. <laughs> how, how could we ever leave New York? Let's hurry back. 
But the right. Philippines is an interesting choice. Of course, I understand that you did that as far as, you know, that's where the story originated. Did you have to do any, you talked about research. Did you have to do research on Phil the Philippines and on things that, because, you know, you have to be true to that as well as to the supernatural parts. Yes. Um, so there are times where um, our characters slip into speaking Filipino, which thankfully having a best friend that speaks the language really helps with the translation. So I can say that the translations are accurate if anybody does go to translate them. Um, my friend has been awesome in helping with some of that. So there's a scene in issue two where we have kind of like um, some research going on with newspapers. And so I do try to show um, a lot of uh, press and language and also setting. So it takes place in Cebu. Mm -hmm. And I did do a lot of research on architecture and things like that, which will come into play far more in the opening of issue two when we see a lot of churches and some of this old architecture in Cebu, which I think looks just fantastic the way that my artist has done this. Um, and then also the house from issue one that the characters are living in is actually constructed based on the layout of my friend home in Cebu where she used to live so she provided me with a bunch of pictures and we kind of made like a blueprint so um, there's a bit of a uh, we at least know this house really does exist um, so we tried to kind of keep everything as accurate as possible you, know, you teased me there I, the, the ash can I was kind of thinking this was a one issue deal but you said an issue two something's going on how many issues is going to be in Yawan? Um it's a four issue miniseries okay and because uh, we got the ash can, and you're probably going to do more of that kind of uh, free comic book day set up with that, I would imagine. Uh, as far as the book itself coming out, is it going to go through Ominous? And they, as my understanding is they go through IDW. Is that where we're going to find this book? Um, actually, I have three offers for publication for Yawan, and I have not yet decided where this is coming out from. So um, that will be... News that I guess will probably be picked within the next week or so. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. All right. So, something to watch. Now, you have a website, and it's called stephaniecomics.com, and you're also on Twitter. Do you want to give your, your Twitter handle for that? Yeah, sure. It's at Steph underscore smash. Yeah, and, and, and that's those are the places in order to keep up with these good things as, as far as, like, knowing what you're doing and where. Maybe your, your convention schedule and stuff like that. Is that are those the best places? Yeah, definitely. Um, I need to do a little better job updating the convention schedule on my website, but the um, the big one is going to be after Free Comic Day. Uh, the Kicking Ice team will be at Nickel City Con in Buffalo, New York. Mm. Uh, so we'll be doing a Kicking Ice panel on Friday night at the convention, and we're actually going to have some uh, because one of the NWHL teams is actually in Buffalo. We have a lot of Buffalo-specific artwork available um, from actual local Buffalo artists. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Very cool, very cool. Now, what about uh, Yawan? You said that uh, you haven't made that call yet as we're recording. Maybe by the time when this gets released, you will know. Okay. Uh, yep. As far as that goes, uh, what about comic conventions? Because like I said, I met you at uh, SC Comic Con. I've got other Comic Cons coming in your future. Yes, I, I'm going to have, um, well, I only have a hundred of the, the Yawan ash cans, and I kind of did that intentionally with the Megan Hetrick cover. So um, while I still have some of those left, I'll be taking those to conventions, and then hopefully I'll have, um, you know, a release date probably pretty soon. So um, I will definitely post about that when I have it. Um, and then, you know, I have, uh, like I said, horror is kind of kind of my jam. I like writing the, the creepy stuff, the serial killers. So I have... Um, new project in the works about some historical serial killers which is going to have kind of like a noir feel to it and um that one i will have 
be posting some information on us pretty soon as well. That was my next question is what else are you working on in the future? So you're going to stick with horror pretty much from here on out, except for kicking ice. I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to, to other genres. I think this just, uh, I, I guess I'm a bit of a true crime nerd mm. and that stuff just, it, it totally terrifies me and just fascinates me all at the same time. And, um, I'm also kind of a, a bit of a archival nerd, a historian. So for this next project I'm working on, I got to do a lot of archival research. So it's kind of months in the making. And I will say, I think I'm one of the only people that has actually accessed historical cases or the uh, case documents for the serial killer that I'm working with. Mm. And there are still a lot of questions about this case, which is from the 1940s, um, that I would like to say that I have potentially pieced together and, you know, nobody can know for sure, but I, I, I have done my best attempt at kind of filling in some holes and gaps to this, this case. Um, and the team has been amazing. And I, I will say the uh, covers are going to look fantastic. Dave Johnson is doing the covers for the series. So um, it's going to look pretty gorgeous and creepy all at the same time. I was going to ask you, are you going to go to San Diego this year? Because both of these projects would make excellent either TV projects or movies in my mind i could see kicking ice being on like say nickelodeon or on uh, uh some other uh younger person's channel or maybe even espn for heaven's sakes could, could, oh, pick it awesome. up. could do those kinds of things and then of course yawan could be on uh, uh sci-fi or goodness there's there's several horror channels that you have to pay to get but if you go to san diego of course there's all these dealings and stuff going on behind that were you thinking about san diego this year I believe I will be there. Okay. Um, it is currently in the books, um, pending uh, another bigger announcement coming soon about um, kind of a personal move, which I, I'm not going to say too much about right now. But uh, you know, pending on where I will be located come July, August, I would I do currently plan on being at San Diego. Cool, because I, I think San Diego is one of those places where deals like this get made. Because, you know, like three quarters of the con is, is media stuff as opposed to, I think, a quarter for comics. But that blend can happen. You can make something like that. People get optioned a lot of times during San Diego and stuff like that. So I was thinking this would be a great place, particularly now since women's stories and stuff like that are on the rise. And I, I'd, I'd like to see it. I'm a big believer in strong female characters. And, you know, the, I, I don't like the, the wallflower women characters. I like people who have much more character because I think that when you have a man, a man can be everything. He can be a scoundrel. He can be a scientist. He can be everything in the world. But women tend to be maternal, which always frustrates me. But I have women friends who say a woman has to be maternal or it's not a genuine woman character. <laughs> Maybe let me ask you about that because based on what I've been reading yours, I, I don't think you necessarily buy into that. No, and I, I think I'm the furthest thing from maternal, um, unless it's with um, a small fluffy animal. Uh, I am not really a, a very maternal person myself. I mean, just recently I, I saw A Quiet Place, which was absolutely fantastic. But, you know, the whole time just thinking of the mother's instinct to protect the baby, because, um, you know, a baby's going to make noise and the whole premise is you have to stay quiet. And there's no way to explain that logic to a newborn baby. And of course, my thinking is like, there's just, you know, to save yourself, you would obviously give up the baby. And everyone just looked at me and I was like, these things are eating people. Like this is probably someone that should never have a child. Uh, but I, I mean, the 
one of the stories I'm writing, you know, the horror story Yawan has um, two female leads. And then my other story about um, the real life serial killer is pretty much all men, um, which for 1940s makes sense that we're dealing with Nazis, we're dealing with a French police department, and most serial killers just happen to be white men. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, the book itself is, is a lot of men. But I actually think that for me, almost all of my books have featured women leads. So to have a book that has all men in it is actually kind of a uh, a different take on my work. So I'm I'm interested to see um, the perception for that one. Well, again, like I said, the, the, the way to do this, establish yourself as a good writer, is to do different kinds of things. And to have a book that focuses on men for a change is a good thing to do. It, it just adds to your portfolio as far as things like that go. So I'm, I'm all for that. I have another one in the works with um, Megan Hetrick as well. Um, that's, a, I guess, a combination, two more uh, strong female leads um, that are pirates. So it's, um, it's a comedy historical piece about uh, female pirates. Uh, so I think that one is going to look awesome. I've put together just a, a team of all women creators. So I'm really excited about that one as well. Very cool, very cool. Oh, it sounds like great stuff. And I, I really enjoyed what I've read of your work. I, I mostly read the Yawan book, and the Kicking Ice, what I've seen of it, looks like great fun as far as that goes. I, I love variety in my reading, so to read a horror and then read an uh, ice hockey book by the same person to me, I think is a great accomplishment. I, I, I wish other people could do that, to be honest. <laughs> well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun to work on both. I think it's um, a little refreshing, too, to have Kicking Ice because, you know, sometimes the other stuff can be really dark. And I sometimes think to write any of this, you know, I think writers are uh, generally a little bit more empathetic. And so writing a lot of death in like three out of five of my current projects is, um, you know, to to be able to take a break and go write something that's a lot more lighthearted and, uh, you know, has kind of a motivational uh, emphasis behind it is is a nice break from death. So. Uh, I've got to ask you, of course, as a comics person, if somebody came to you, because like, as I'm recording this, uh, Domino number one has just come off and Gil Simone's writing it. If they approached you and said, how would you like to do a superhero book? Mm-hmm. Would you be interested in something like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I honestly, my, my uh, I know a lot of people new writers always have their eyes set on something like Batman. And of course the dark Knight. that's how I got into comics and it would be absolutely fantastic. And clearly the dark superhero thing is probably a good fit for me, but to be quite honest, I am a bit obsessed with Raven and I, I know Mark Wolfman is doing a great job with her. Um, but you know, one day I would love to have a shot at something like Raven, you know, the, the daughter of darkness is, um, I think another good fit for me as well. Very cool, very cool. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see you get a chance to do those kinds of things because I think that you have a, a very unique way of dealing with stuff that's, that's interesting. It's it's not, you know, I hate to say it, there are some writers out there who do not make things interesting. It's kind of plodding, but not yours. Your things move along at a nice clip, and I always like it when somebody can keep my attention, and I think you can do that very well. <laughs> um, as somebody with uh, ADD, I think I, I kind of run 
that way too. Like, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm zero to 60 from, from the beginning. So, but I think that's a testament to my own uh, inability to focus for long periods of time. <laughs> well, you know, I, if that's the case, you're using that to your advantage because I think the storytelling is really well done. And, you know, Stephanie, I'm looking forward to more from you in the future. I think there's going to be great stuff with uh, your name on it coming out before too very long. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, man, I hope to get to see you at a couple more cons, you know. Definitely. I thought you had it was fun to see you at uh, South Carolina and – uh, maybe we'll get maybe bump into you at San Diego or some other places. Yeah, I, I would love that. Right now, I do plan on being at San Diego, so I, I hope that that still ends up working out, and I would love to see you there. Well, keep it up. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol... Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. fun to talk with Rafer Roberts, who on Facebook calls himself the maker of comics. And got something really good coming out. How you doing today, Rafer? Doing all right. How you doing? Good, good. I caught up with you when you originally started doing stuff for Valiant, and I saw you at AwesomeCon recently, and you told me you've got a book that's coming out, and number one is, is in the previews as we speak. So we need to get talking about it so that people can order it. Why don't you tell people about Modern Fantasy? Sure. Well, Modern Fantasy is uh, a book, a creator-owned story by uh, me and uh, Kristen Goodsnuck, who uh, put out the book Hench Girl uh, last year from Dark Horse Comics. Mm -hmm. uh, it's basically a modern-day uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, but if everything was D&D &D and fantasy-based. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, imagine the world outside your window if your entire world's history was a uh, role-playing module. <laughs> uh, so that's basically the world we're, we're dealing with. We've got like goblins and orcs going on bad Tinder dates, people whose bosses are uh, beholders. But the main character is Sage of the Riverlands, okay. a uh, uh, young ranger who comes to the big city looking for uh, adventure, but instead finds nothing but uh, dead-end uh, data entry jobs. She's... Uh, She's moved in with her uh, best friend, uh, Gondra, daughter of Mithra, who is a uh, dwarf maiden who's working as a waitress at a uh, goblin bistro. And their uh, moocher, drug-dealing roommate, uh, Lizard Wizard, who uh, is pretty terrible at magic, actually. Uh, and this is the story of what happens when uh, Sage's dream... Uh, finding adventure actually come true, and they find that they are uh, woefully unprepared to uh, deal with the invasion of a monster from another dimension. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, where'd the concept come from? I mean, how did you guys come up with it? 
it's weird because I met Kristen at a New York Comic Con about two or three years ago. She was uh, she just started putting out Hench Girl and was looking for um, people to collaborate with, and luckily I was one of the people she gave the book out to, and we started talking. Uh, nothing really specific, but just knowing that we uh, we clicked and we wanted to work together, uh, she gave me the prompt of magic, but she hadn't she hadn't done anything with magic yet, mm-hmm. so I. So I just started daydreaming about that, seeing what kind of story I could do with it. And it somehow evolved from that simple magic prompt mm-hmm. to this entire world of D&D and fantasy creatures in a modern-day setting. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think the, really the first creature we character we came up with was Lizard Wizard, <laughs> who was originally going to be like the main character until we realized it wasn't about him. He was, it was more about Sage. Mm-hmm. Very cool, because I, I see the cover... For it, and it's got you talk about the lizard wizard, and mm-hmm. the cu- images cut in two. They're sort of like on the top, is where you see them or three people anyway fighting yep. in, in, in a fantasy thing, and on the bottom, you see the same girl, but she's got her head on resting her <laughs> head on her hand, and she's got one of the a headphone on, and she's obviously doing like a, a phone call stuff, and she looks extremely bored. And, you know, I, I think many of us have had those kinds of jobs so we can understand. It's easy to imagine having a much better life in some kind of a fantasy realm. She's even got an energy potion next door. It's an yeah. energy drink, which I like. So what's her char- What's the character's name again for her? Uh, Sage of the Riverland. Sage of the Riverland. Nobody right. goes by their full name. It's just Sage. Okay. But, yeah. I, I really identify with that cover, too, because uh, I still have a day job, mm-hmm. even uh, working with comics, so um, I hadn't really thought about it till just now, but uh, Sage at her menial, dreary day job, dreaming of something better, um, yeah, it's certainly something that most of us can relate to, and certainly me, just to uh, uh, swap out all of her adventuring friends attacking a, a castle uh, and just put me on top writing and drawing comics. That's... <laughs> Well, no, there's a guy behind her that looks like an ogre, oh, yeah. a ogre kind of guy. He's got a sword. He looks like a manager of some sort. He's got uh, a tie and stuff. Is he a manager? Uh, he certainly probably wants to be. That's uh, <laughs> Sage's co-worker, Bakhtar the Mighty. He is a, uh, a barbarian who's very into being a barbarian. Mm. Uh, so, like, descended from ancient champions and heroes and gods, but... All those sorts of jobs have been automated or sent overseas, so mm. he's working in the same data entry uh, position that Sage is, mm. uh, doing hardly any work and leaving it all for Sage. So oh, really one of those terrible, terrible co-workers. Oh, right. He's got glasses and everything, but the way that you know this is that he's got, like, fangs kind of from the yeah. bottom. That's how you know there's trouble. And, of course, his cup says, what does that say, Crag loves me? Oh, yeah, he's... um. A worshiper of Crag. Crag oh. is like the god of the barbarians. And, oh. Uh, it actually plays a fairly pivotal plot point because all he's doing is preparing for the festival of Crag. Mm. There's a feast of Crag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that these um, – well, that's that's getting a bit, a bit spoilerific oh, 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 oh. on that one. So <laughs> I might Oops. stop there, but yeah. just uh, know that at some point Bakhtar is going to help Sage out. Oh, whether okay. he whether Sage wants his help or not. <laughs> now, is this a miniseries or an ongoing? How's this going to work? Uh, Modern Fantasy right now is just a four-issue mini. Yeah. Um, but 
uh, Kristen and I are both pretty in love with the series mm-hmm. and would love to do more. The folks at Dark Horse seem pretty happy with it, too. So I think it really depends on uh, how the fans react. If enough people pick it up, I think everybody involved would love to do more, but it's really going to depend on sales. Mm-hmm. Well, everything does, I guess, these days. Yeah, as far as goes, it makes the world go round. Now, the deadline we were talking about to turn this in, I'm trying to be clear on this, is the 25th or is it the 18th? Uh, it's in previews now. Mm-hmm. Uh if I had a copy of previews in front of me, which I'm disappointed that I don't, oh. I'd be able to. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's in about a month. If you're listening to this podcast and it's not more than like a month old, you can go to your comic store and pre-order it. Okay. If, you're, if you're listening to this podcast and the podcast is about four months old, then the book's already in stores and you should go and buy That's it. That's right. Now it's time <laughs> to go buy it. And then don't yeah. stop. So, okay, that's pretty good. So, um, I, I'm kind of interested as far as the see I, I, the thing on the top makes me think that they might actually get to a fantasy adventure like that. But I, I, I can't ask for spoilers because you know, you, of course, that, that's the whole point of a cover is to make you is to tease you and make you want to go and get the book. Mm-hmm. So, I think the cover does a good job of that because I don't know exactly where we're going to go in that book. I like the characters and I kind of like the the, the top. Are, are the three characters that are on the top in the, the sort of in the fantasy are those the same three below or are they different characters? Going off my memory because I don't have the cover in front of me. Okay. In the office scenario below, it's Sage uh, basically in the forefront, mm-hmm. Bakhtar behind. Mm-hmm. Can't remember who else is in the office. The lizard. But up on top. Oh, oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So we got Lizard Wizard, who's mm-hmm. uh, as mentioned a very bad wizard. Mm-hmm. Sage Gondra. Bakhtar. Uh, we also have Lizard Wizard's boyfriend. Uh, his name is Fentax. Mm-hmm. He is a half goblin, uh, so he's the uh, thief of the party. <laughs> uh, we have Spencer Vanderbilt, okay. uh, who's the uh, who's the cleric. He's like a basically a med student in this universe, uh, like an intern doing his um, initial studies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Well, there's four in the upper portion. There's looks like Sage is there. There's a, a woman of color there. There looks like an elf with long white hair. And, and ah, yeah, Darkwind. That's that's one I'm forgetting. Mm-hmm. Every every good D and D adventure party needs the elvish archer. <laughs> uh, so we have uh, we have Darkwind, who is an elf from the Crystal Kingdoms, who's uh, moved into town um, to become an actor. So of course he's working at the same restaurant that Gondra is right now. And while we don't really, he's, he's, he's loaded. He doesn't have, he has a lot of money. He doesn't try to show it, but, uh, he comes from money. Okay. So he helps, he helps buy everybody, everybody's weapons later on. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause it does say in the description, it says they're also a ranger, yeah. her dwarf best friend and a reptilian risen, uh, reptilian wizard on a quest, of course. So yeah. right, those three must be the three up on the top. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I was kind of thinking maybe she was dreaming it, and those were other people in her dream. But no, that's okay. And you got a little dragon on there who's breathing fire on the word M is in modern. <laughs> is that a character we're going to see in the book, too? Uh, there's references to dragons. Uh, that one's more just they're fighting the metaphorical dragon. What we'll see in uh, the course of modern fantasy is that when Sage fantasizes about fighting enemies, they're usually pretty easily defeated and 
fantastical and 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 lovely and everything you think of when you think of like uh, fantasy creatures. But in reality, they're way. Wayne, you still there? Yeah. Oh, sorry. My face opened up a game on my phone. Oops. And I was... <laughs> Oops. Well, speaking of that's, games, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's that's never. That's the first time for that. Was that a fantasy um, game? That's a... It actually it actually was. Okay. It was uh, if Clash of Clans can be counted as a uh, fantasy game, then. Uh, uh, well, see, now you is. bring up a subject, though. I mean, if this book takes off. What if somebody wants to make a game based around the subject? Would you guys be open to that? Yeah, I think we'd be open to uh, really anything. I, I just love these characters, and if uh, whatever it takes to make sure that we can keep making these comics, I'm pretty much all for. Okay, and yet I also have to ask, what about a cartoon? Because I could see this very easily being a cartoon on one of the channels that runs cartoons. What about that? Yeah, most times I don't think about that when I'm uh, creating comics. I, I really just go, like, I just want to make a good comic. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if anything I've written, this is probably the most translatable to other media. Either could be, like, a 15-minute webtoon or something on, like, Adult Swim or something, mm-hmm. or, like, a Netflix thing. I, I could see it. Cool. That's not really my area of expertise, though, mm-hmm. so if somebody else wanted to come in and do all that for me, mm-hmm. that would be great. Just mm-hmm. as long as they're true to the characters. That's right. Well, you want to object to it, though. That was the thing. No, uh, I mean, first and foremost, my um, attention is at the comic, but um, mm-hmm. like I said, this one could is probably the most easily translatable to other media. So this is coming out. The first issue will arrive in stores May, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... End of June, yep. Oh, end of June. Okay, that's right. We're yep. April now. I'm, I... I I haven't gotten out of March yet. Yeah, this year is flying by. Uh, man, I tell you, I went to so many conventions. I saw you at AwesomeCon. I saw you were at ECCC, and I was there, and I didn't even see you there. That's how that wild. That was great. It's huge. That's massive. Six levels on a building? Good heavens. I talk about I had one floor exclusively for gaming, speaking of which. which was yeah, some... I barely left uh, the Artist Alley area. Because yeah. uh, every time I went anywhere else, it was just it was so crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't overly crowded, mm-hmm. but it was still, I might as well stay by my table because that's how I make money. That's true. <laughs> I don't make money when I go out shopping. That's true. That's, that's the thing about <laughs> it. Because I was just at Awesome Con, and I the, only, I the only time I ever got away from the table was the time I saw you. I was helping my friend, and, and I, I think it was Friday afternoon I got for like two hours to go through Artist Alley. And that was it. I never left the table the rest of the time, except to go get drinks and go, you know, run errands and stuff like that. So it was just, that's what happens when you're on a table, just so people yep. know. It's very exciting. You sit behind a table the whole time. <laughs> very, very exciting. It's safer back there sometimes. <laughs> so, okay, Modern Fantasy uh, four-issue miniseries to start. It's going to start coming in June. Make sure you get in there and order it at your local store right away. And th- that make sure that it comes. And if you don't see it there, make, you know, make sure to tell them that we need the rest of them. And you might have. To, is this going to be on Comicsology as well? Um, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's coming out from Dark Horse. I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. Dark Horse is like a, it's a premier publisher. So if you have a comic store or if you have access to Comicsology or an online store, mm-hmm. um, everybody can order it. If, mm-hmm. if they get comics, they can get modern fantasy. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you said there was another book that's coming out that we should talk about. Which book is that? Oh, um, 
it's not so much a book per se, but uh, my personal uh, creator on Nightmare the Rat. I've just started serializing the second half of that story online. Okay. Um, What's and that? That's the, that is uh, <laughs> the ongoing adventures of a demon rat who breaks into people's houses, rips the teeth out of their heads, throws them up in the air, and dances in the moonlight. It's, uh, <laughs> it's terrifying and actually hilarious. <laughs> uh, it's all done in like this early 1900s uh, Windsor McKay, George Harriman. Uh, full tabloid newspaper comic style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the print edition of that gets actually printed on newsprint ah. uh, on a newspaper. Mm-hmm. But until we can print up that second collection, uh, we'll be serializing all the comics online. Oh, so that like... goes live. Yeah, it goes live once a week. Just nightmaretherat.com. Oh, I'll take you right there. It's okay. So night- nightmaretherat.com. Okay. So you're saying the first one? Can you, are you saying people can buy like a, a paper version of the first? section yep that was that's already out uh mm-hmm. i ran a kickstarter for that a few years back mm-hmm. uh printed up a whole bunch of full comics newspapers they're giant and smell amazing mm-hmm. and they're they feel so good in your hand too mm-hmm. uh just the tactile sensation of just newsprint comics yeah and that's about 30 pages for five bucks wow. and you can buy that plasticfarm.com wow. on my website very but, cool it's such a it's a fun itch to scratch. Just uh, <laughs> this weirdo, completely almost surreal story. It's it's very difficult to adequately describe. I feel mm-hmm. that it has to be more experienced than uh, <laughs> told what it is. Because as I'm sitting here, the way you described it is you're gonna take your teeth out and throw it up in the air and dance. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just kind of curious. What kind of stories do you have around that kind of stuff? I guess we have to go and find out. It's basically yeah. what we have to do. Yeah, it's most of the adventures involve him stealing somebody's teeth, mm-hmm. and the challenge of me is, the, as the creator of this, is finding new and interesting ways to tell that basically same story over and over again. <laughs> so, which is how why the comic becomes weirder and weirder as it goes on, <laughs> because the situations of who he's stealing the teeth from, mm-hmm. how he steals the teeth, mm-hmm. um, there's like early on he's just going into people's apartments, but Halfway through, it's like he's going to the circus to steal giant teeth from circus freaks <laughs> or breaking into a stable to making friends with the horses and then stealing their teeth. <laughs> um, there's also, he has a nemesis. Uh, his name is Morning Breath the Owl. This adorable little owl <laughs> who poops in people's mouths ah. be- before Nightmare has a chance to steal the teeth, <sighs> thus defouling the mouth and making the teeth unwanted. Oh. It's... Oh wow! It's, I, wow, where did I, you come up with this concept? I mean, I have to ask: How did this, this get developed? I'm 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 afraid to look into it any further than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the design for Nightmare, most people when they see him uh, describe him as evil Mickey Mouse. When I ask if Disney's going to sue me because the, and uh, uh, I'll admit the the design is close, but I actually stole the design from the old Laurel and Hardy March of the Wood Soldiers movie. Mm-hmm. Also, Babes in Toyland, depending on which uh, bootleg version you're watching. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's basically it's there in this um, nursery rhyme, fairy tale land, and it's all done in like the early 40s or the 30s, so what's meant to be cute is actually kind of terrifying in this uh, early nightmare fuel kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they basically took a monkey 
dressed him up like a mouse and had him dance around on the set and the the costume was ill-fitting and he basically just rolled around on the ground so i i ended up um drawing that thing in my sketchbook Mm -hmm. quite a lot because it was fun to draw Mm -hmm. and when it came time to create a comic strip for washington tc's uh local comics paper magic bullet Mm -hmm. i kind of just pulled this guy out of my sketchbook gave him something to do (laughs) and which was apparently stealing people's teeth from their mouths (laughs) and uh just created a comic strip off him and then it people reacted it's it's the same thing when i create something and people ignore it i kind of just put it aside Mm -hmm. but when if I do something silly and people gravitate towards it, mm-hmm. then that becomes my favorite thing in the world. And I'll just uh, continue. Now, who, who's doing the art for this? Uh, no, it's me. Oh, you're I'm doing right the art. drawing it. You do everything. Wow. Okay, on this one here. Now, it comes out on... I, I'm trying to be clear on... The, is this like a webcomic? Yeah, it's... Um, the Magic Bullet newspaper still comes out twice a year, and I'll, I put Nightmare the Rat strips in that. But for right now, the majority of the strips are online. And mm. will be serialized throughout the summer until the end of the year. Okay, this is plasticfarm.com, right? Yep. Uh, you can go to plasticfarm.com, and there's a link on the top, or you can do the direct link to it, which is just nightmaretherat.com. See, I'm just fascinated as to what stories you're going to tell with this, because this, this is why you're a writer and I'm not. I can't think of anything beyond him throwing it up every time and dancing under it that I can do. This is this is why you're you're the writer. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> So that, that's pretty good. That, that, that's pretty creative, I have to say, as far as things go. Yeah, and it's really fun to draw, honestly, because mm-hmm. I can get real weird with it, which mm-hmm. is real relaxing for me as uh, a writer and artist. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask you, of course, as a, as a writer and artist in this, do you write the thing first and, or, and draw it later, or do you kind of sometimes do them at the same time? You start writing well, them and drawing them at the same time. Uh, basically more of like the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never write out a full script for uh, Nightmare of the Rat. Mm-hmm. It's basically, I have uh, a list of ideas. Mm-hmm. For instance, like I said, goes to the circus mm-hmm. was basically the idea I had. And then I'll just uh, sketch it out in my uh, sketchbook mm-hmm. and build the story from there. Mm-hmm. There's cool. a lot of false starts working in that method. Okay. Uh, but it, I don't know, it keeps it a little bit more free and loose for me. I, it's something that Nightmare of the Rat, where I'm the only creator involved mm-hmm. with it, I, I kind of like to keep it a little bit freer and looser. I'm, I'm, I want it to be, it's fun. Mm-hmm. If I start getting real rigid with it, um, I think it just becomes less fun for me. Mm-hmm. Which is not to say that working uh, full script on other stuff isn't. Mm-hmm. My entire my entire goal in comics is to have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd also like to make money, but first and <laughs> foremost, I want it to be fun. Mm-hmm. We want to have fun while making money. That, that's yeah, the, uh, and I, I think that shows in the final product. You can pick up a comic from somebody. You can kind of tell whether the creative team was into it or not. Mm-hmm. There's the joy seeps onto the comics page. It, mm-hmm. it can't help but uh, mm-hmm. fall into the art. I think readers can tell. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Nightmare of the Rat, Modern Fantasy, and let's see, do you have any other projects you're working on we should know about? There's many, but they're all way early in production, Okay. Uh, so it's far too early to talk about that. But I've got actually about like four different pitches in various stages of production going on. 
So I'll have to come back later and talk about those at some okay. point. Those will be good. So, <laughs> now I saw you at Awesome Common. You're at ECCC. Uh, what other conventions are you going to do, be doing this year? Uh, I'm going to be doing the Tricon, which is in West Virginia, which is coming up. Hmm. I'll be at Terrificon later in the year. I think that's in August at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Hmm. I'll be at Baltimore Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I'll be at... New York Comic Con, though I'll probably just be walking around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be at Memphis Comic Con, which is towards the end of November, I believe. Mm-hmm. Again, I feel like I'm missing something. Okay. If you go to plasticfarm.com and <laughs> click on the appearances tab on the top, mm-hmm. it's got a full list. I try to keep that up to date, mm-hmm. and I actually refer to that myself mm-hmm. when I'm usually asked that question. That's why I call my, <laughs> my cell phone my brain because yeah. I don't keep information in there anymore. It's all on my cell phone. Yeah, it's getting real bad. I can really feel myself getting older <laughs> and recognizing that my memory is nowhere near what it used to be. Yeah, but we're, we're trying to remember more than we used to, in my opinion. You know, we're trying to remember schedules. We're trying to remember all, yeah. details. We're trying to remember all this stuff. That's why I think a cell phone or whatever electronic device you like to use is a perfect example of the kind of thing that we need in order to be able to remember everything. Because, you know, it used to be in the old days, you had a very limited data group yeah. you were trying to remember. Now, of course, you got to, we all got to know all kinds of things. We got to maintain schedules for the whole family. We got to do all kinds of stuff. It's just now, you know, it's just too much. And that's why we need those things. And people yeah. saying it's, it's too addictive. It's too addictive. No, it's just that it makes life easier yeah. if we can do that. We don't have to try to remember everything ourselves. The, the, converse of that is it making these things so much easier all the connectivity that we're busier than ever and and we're actually less productive because we 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 have access to all this stuff guy who who sold me my first cell phone said this is going to change your life (laughs) and he was right and you know now i can never be away from anybody i never get any privacy i have my phone with me almost 24 hours a day to make sure in case somebody needs to get me they can so I know it's funny because you know yeah. there uh, there are apps to to buy comics, Let's tie this into the comic thing. As I and I you schedule them in there, and they'll send you a list before you go to the comic store what books are supposed to be coming in for you this week. So now, see, I don't have to. I, I never remembered lists like that. I would always print them out and take them with me to the store. But now I don't have to print it out. Why should I waste the paper? I'll just do it in my phone. Yep. So man, maybe you should do a comic about a cell phone at some point. <laughs> I think uh, Chris Sabella is doing something similar where they're doing an app. It looks really cool. I, uh, and he's going to kill me because I can't remember the name of the thing. Uh, but it's an app where you can hire assassins. Oh. And it's sort of like crowdfunding uh, assassinations. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That one looks real good. Yeah. It, it's always interesting to me how um, comics catch up to what's going on. In modern society, you know, and this, this is where we're getting now the cell phones in there. I work a little paper where we put jokes in, and the jokes are so old, there's no connection to modern life. You yep. know, and so I'm always looking for cell phone jokes and stuff like that that people can relate to. And the, the owner's going, why do we have to have all these jokes about modern stuff? I said, well, because we live in a modern age. We need to have jokes about some of this instead of just old jokes about cars from the 1950s. You know, we got to do that. So it sounds like great stuff you're doing there, Rafer. Anything else that we should know about that you're up to? 
Probably, but my my, my, my memory is terrible again. <laughs> you, know, you know, have your cell phone with you. <laughs> okay. Well, Rafer, you're doing wonderful stuff. It's always good to see you at cons when I get to see you. And your stuff is good. Modern Fantasy looks tremendous. I think it's going to be a, a good book for people to get. I think it's going to be one of those books that, you know, those of us who love variety are always looking for something that's entertaining and engaging. And I think that Modern Fantasy will do that. Nightmare of the Rat, i got to check out. That's going to be something I... I I, I never dreamed of. I, it's you realize I'm going to have nightmares. Probably. It's <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't read it right before bed. No. <laughs> yeah. So it's good stuff, Rafer, as always, and always good to talk with you. And I hope you have a lot of good success. And when you have some more stuff coming out, when some of those projects start to come to fruition, we'll have to talk again. I will do. Thanks for having me on. And that's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have another interview with a great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.